So the funny thing about Christmas is we always seem to be surprised when it happens, right? How many times over the last few weeks have you said, boy, I can't believe how fast Christmas is coming. I can't believe how few weeks are left before Christmas. Or Christmas really snuck up on me this year, right? So I want to give you a public service announcement. Christmas is always the same day every year. It's always December 20th. Next year in 2022, put on your calendars, Christmas will be December 25th, right? It's always on time. Uh, and, and this is helpful for me as well because I am always sort of the last minute Christmas shopper, rapper, etc. I'm always surprised. But Christmas is always on time. Well, I guess except for the first one, the first one was a little bit late. See, the... the uh, story about this guy, Messiah, who was going to come begins with Moses. Moses starts talking about a prophet that's going to show up after him and, and lead the people the way he led the people. And then Moses dies and nobody shows up. And they wait and they wait and they wait. They wait about 1,500 years. So by the way, if you are sort of a, a last minute Christmas shopper, if you have something ordered on Amazon, it's going to come like the day after Christmas, you're in good company because Jesus was 1,500 years late. Uh, and I think this is important. Jesus, unfortunately, didn't come in our timing. He didn't come on time, but He had come in time. And, and in time is a really important idea. And that can mean a lot of things. It can mean like when we needed Him. But I want to think tonight about the very literal meaning of that in time, that Jesus came into time. He came into our world at a particular time in a particular place. And, and I think that is the most extraordinary and surprising and bizarre and important idea of our faith, that our God sometimes comes into time and then especially on Christmas, comes fully into our world. And so I want to think about that tonight. What does it mean that God came in time? See, I think the Christmas story becomes one that we know so well that we just sort of take it for granted. So tonight, I want to ask you to think about some of the, the details around the story to make it a little more real for us. I want to begin with a story about the mother of Mary. with one's first child. Every mother is acquainted. Worry. When one is young, one prays. When one becomes a mother, one burns the midnight oil. You know what I speak of. Back, my hip, gifts from my first child. Quietly one morning, talking of angels and God, and 
trying to explain this child that she had conceived. Mind you, every Jewish girl's dream is to be chosen to give birth to the one. Yet I could hardly bear to listen. It's one thing to conceive out of wedlock, but this story... How could she lie to her own mother? I said to her over and over, I screamed at her. Words that haunt me every day. This, this is how I greeted the long-awaited savior of our people. see what God can do. I'm curious if you've ever thought about Jesus' grandmother before, about the ripple effects of Mary's pregnancy across her family and across time. I'm curious if you've ever thought about all of the mess uh, that this made, this miraculous birth and pregnancy for so many people. See, the story is really messy when we let it be real, when we, when we find it in time, it has these incredible side effects and ripple effects. Jesus as not just a character in a story, but a real person who had grandparents who worried about their daughter's birth plan. There's actually something kind of scandalous about it, right? It's, it's almost kind of weird. It's so particular and strange. I, I think it's really easy for us to talk in broad generalities. It feels kind of comfortable, right, to speak in kind of religious platitudes. I I could get up and say, hey, God is in all of us, and all of us are in God, and that feels really great. But when we get up and we say, hey, God was in 
this Jewish peasant for 33 years a couple millennia ago. It sounds even weird to say it out loud, right? It's so particular. It's so limited. Uh, our culture, I think, has embraced this idea that, that timeless truths are the best kind. God is love. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All dogs go to heaven, right? Those sort of things. That last one's not in the Bible. Um, but, but I think there's a risk in that. I think that um, when we make our in-time heroes into timeless truths, we lose something. There's a Christmas song I really like, uh, and uh, I, I don't mean to disparage it in any way, um, but it started to make less and less sense to me. It's called, That's Christmas to Me. You guys know this song? Uh, if you don't, a, a few of the words. The, the fireplace is burning. I would sing it for you, but then it wouldn't feel like Christmas. The, the fireplace is burning bright, shining all on me. I see the presents underneath the good old Christmas tree. And I wait all night till Santa comes to wake me from my dreams. Oh, why? Because that's Christmas to me. I've got this Christmas song in my heart. I've got candles glowing in the dark. And then for years to come, we'll always know one thing. That's the love that Christmas can bring. Oh, why? Because that's Christmas to me. Uh, that song, I think, captures this idea of the sort of timeless truths of Christmas. But I worry that it misses the point as well. Every July 4th, um, my wife's family gathers at my in-law's house to have a big family reunion, and it's an awesome time. And uh, family comes from all over the country, and there's great food. Sometimes we have like an entire pig, which is my family's favorite, and then my kids grab like a, a tongue or something and run around and try to show it to people to gross them out. We often have red, white, and blue colored Rice Krispie treats, and they taste better when they're colored. I'm sure you all know that. Uh, lots of fun, and then sometimes fireworks right there on the bank of the Mississippi River. Ah, it occurs to me that might not be illegal, so I hope there are no Minneapolis police listening to this sermon. Um, and, and I could see how my kids could easily think that, boy, family and food and fun and fireworks, that's what July 4th is about. But I don't really want them to think that. Those are the timeless truths, but there's an end-time reality about July 4th, right? That, that in 1776, this group of guys got together and said, we believe we have inalienable rights, uh, that no government is allowed to take those rights away from us, and at the risk of our lives, we're going to sign this document. Many of them lost their lives because they signed this document, saying that we declare our independence. That's really important to me, right? July 4th isn't just about food and fun and family and fireworks. It's about freedom. And the end-timeness of that is really critical. And I want to come to Christmas and say, boy, the same thing is true about Christmas, right? It's great that we have all of our wonderful celebrations and the, the firelight and the Christmas tree and the presents, but boy, the end-timeness of what happened 2,000 years ago in a little place in Bethlehem matters a great deal. Uh, and, and I think this is the reason Oh, well, two reasons. I think one is that timeless truths don't challenge us. Timeless truths just make us feel better about who we already are. They just make us um, more comfortable in our own skin. Um, but those end-time moments, those real things that happened, uh, cause us to reflect and, and, and maybe even change who we are in light of, of what God has done. Put another way, 
reindeer and stockings and Christmas cookies don't transform lives. Um, But the incarnate Son of Jesus does. And so I think for us, the end-time nature of our King is so very important. Um, It allows us to be changed and challenged and transformed. That's not the whole story. And there's another piece of it as well, another importance to the end-timeness of our God. And I want to think about that by taking you back once more to uh, another story uh, on the periphery of what might have happened that first Christmas day. This is about a shepherd's wife. He and I have a rhythm and a routine here in our humble home, and that morning he was messing it up. See, he comes in at 7.12 every morning on the nose. I hear his boots hit the floor. I make the coffee. He washes the pasture off of him, and we take our toast to the patio. That's our thing. He's a quiet man, likes the one word answers, that one. And then he's off to bed. He he keeps the herd at night. Oh, how my parents looked at me when I told them that I'd fallen in love with a shepherd boy. (laughs) But um, that's a story for another time. Or never. But that morning, there were no boots. Only quiet. Quiet like my husband. Before I could get to the front door, it slammed. It was... It was loud, it was different. As if the front door knew something I didn't know. My husband yells for me, he yells for me. Maybe he's hurt, maybe he's lost the herd, he's out of breath. He's saying my name as he takes my face in his big hands. His eyes, they're full of fear, no awe. Tears are running down his face and he can't stop talking ranting about this bright light that fell out of the sky and angels, yes, that is what I said, angels, hundreds of them all over the field proclaiming good news. But what did he mean, good news? Now I know my husband, the shepherd, He will never hold the scepter of a king, never sit with dignitaries to solve the world's problems, never even be invited to a meal where he has to wear a suit. But he was given the greatest edict in all the land, all the world, actually, called to the front lines by God himself to proclaim this good news. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I can say it in my sleep now. I can see it sometimes too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was pleased with my husband, the shepherd. 
His boots hit the floor a little later on these days, and that's okay. Because he is telling anyone who will listen the good news. See, this is the other reality of God coming in time. Not just that He can work transformation in our lives, but that we get to be partners in that work. We get to be involved in the kingdom expansion of our God on earth. He invites us to pass on the good news. And it's, by the way, good news, right? Not, not good advice, not, not rules about how we live or how we make God happy or how we make other people happy, but good news about this extraordinary story that one day God became human in a manger in Bethlehem. See, Christmas is about that good news. It's actually not about family, though that good news can transform your family if you will partner with God in sharing it. Christmas is about good news. It's actually not about gifts, though if you will receive Him, Christ will be the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. Christmas is about good news. It's not actually about sitting next to your Christmas tree with a warm cup of hot chocolate and a roaring fire. But Christmas can light a fire in your life like it did in the lives of shepherds' wives and grandmothers and every woman and man who has ever spent their life or given their life telling the story of their king who came into our world so that one day we could live forever in his. And by the way, God still comes in time. Not on time, as I think you might have noticed in your own lives already, but He comes in time into our lives. And that's not another platitude. That's an effect of Christmas because Christ made a way for us to be with God. And so now we can be with God at any time. That's why we call Him Emmanuel, right? God with us. And so our purpose this Christmas is to consider if this story of Christ coming into our world has been able yet to change us? And if so, if we have a way that we might partner with God to help change others, to pass on that good news. Not on time, but just in time. And then the question for us this Christmas might not be, what have you done? Is your shopping done? Are your stockings full? Is your wrapping complete? Is the baking over? What have you done? But instead, let's see what God can do. Let's see what our end-time King can do. Thanks be to Him. Amen.